So the bottom line is we all have needs, which means that it's not a weakness to express the fact that you have a need. You got, you got, you got what I need. Okay, we have, we not only have physical needs, we have emotional needs. That's why God said it's not good for a man to be alone. God dealt with Adam's neediness before he dealt with Adam's fallenness. The first priority for God was to meet his emotional needs in this garden, to create Eve for him. Okay, so, so the, the emotional need was evident even before the fall. It wasn't the fall that brought about the fact that, that Adam had needs. And men, I know it's hard for us to admit that we have needs. You know, the old saying, if you're not, if you're not hungry or horny or sleepy, what need do you have? Uh, you know, and so, so yes, you have needs beyond those three. Uh, man is not limited to hungry, horny, or sleepy. Even men have needs. We have emotional needs. This is a song I wrote especially for this occasion. It's called Men. Men have feelings too. May I share mine? We have needs for affection and affirmation and, and uh, you know, we, we have needs for support and comfort, just as anybody else would need it. So if you don't realize you have those needs, maybe you need to step back and recognize the fact that you have those needs. And then the, the fact that we're called to help meet those needs in each other's lives. Well, the first step to meeting any need is what I call the second level of love is that when we when we go to meet needs in people's lives it's going to take time it's going to take a time a whole lot of precious time it's going to take patience and time this is going to cost remember love is a sacrifice love is an action if you're going to recognize people's needs and you're going to meet their needs at this level, you're going to have to invest some time. Now there's a big thing that was going on among parents for a while about quality time. How to spend quality time with your parents. I need to spend some quality time with my children. I can tell you that there is no quality time without quantity time. I smell a mortal coming up. And it's a dilly. Quality is more important than quantity. I can almost see what you mean. That, that quality moments with your kids come out of sheer volume of time that you spend with them. So if you, want, if you really want to know someone, if you really want to understand them, if you really want to start to fundamentally meet their needs, it's going to cost you some time. And, and what we need to do is to step back as human beings and we need to ask ourselves, what is really gonna matter in life five, 10, or 15 years from now? What, what is gonna make a difference? What are we doing in our lives that, that is worthy of that investment in our time? Now, yes, we have to make a living. We have to provide for our families. The Bible's very clear. If a man doesn't work, he should eat. Hey, maybe you should eat something first. No, thanks. Food makes me sick.
man drink like that and he don't eat, he is going to die. When? Uh, hopefully you're learning to work smarter, not harder, and you can, you can spend, uh, buy back your life and spend more time with your family, more time with your children. But, but don't overschedule yourself. I mean, some of you guys might as well paint your car yellow and put a taxi sign on it. You're running all over the place. You're, you've overscheduled yourself with your children. You've overscheduled yourself with activities in the community, and they simply are not going to reap the kind of rewards that you're hoping for. And then finally, one of, one of the ways that we meet uh, needs in each other's lives, and uh, the next time we come together, I'm going to to teach more in depth about what those needs are and how to meet them. But we meet those needs in each other's lives through physical appropriate touch. You know, when the, when the, the blessing was given, when that act of blessing was given, we see that the Old Testament blessing was bestowed. There was almost without exception, a hug, a kiss, a meaningful touch took place uh, along with the meaningful words. So, so we need to, to practice this ability to touch one another in an appropriate way. You got the touch. You got the power. You know, in church, uh, it's important that we hug each other. In church and we do it appropriately but we hug each other in church why because there are people who come in that church and they may not get a hug for another seven days until they come back to church there may not be an appropriate place or time or person in their life to give them a hug and yet the the a physical hug lasting 30 seconds or more releases endorphins and and, and healing power into people's lives and we live in a in an isolation zone where we are isolated from each other we isolate ourselves many times we live in these mini mansions and we push our garage door opener the garage door opens we pull our car in the garage door closes and we fundamentally seal ourselves off from the neighbors from the world around us and we don't have the level of interaction that that a human being needs to stay healthy you need physical touch to stay healthy. You need, uh, there, there's a power in physical touch. There's also a power and a necessary power in words of affirmation. You cannot fully bless someone by just, now listen to this, you can't fully bless someone by just knowing them, unconditionally accepting them, unconditionally loving them, and meeting their needs. That is the action of the blessing, but you also have to have that verbal affirmation coming in. I deserve good things. I am entitled to my share of happiness. I refuse to beat myself up. I am an attractive person. I am fun to be with. Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley. I'm going to do a terrific show today, and I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Well, you're, you're speaking words, positive words, visionary words, prophetic words over people's lives because 
Your you are statements becomes your children's I am statements. And your you are statements become other people. They think about it. I mean, that whole thing of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words could never hurt me is so far from the truth. Words make a difference that we speak over each other's lives. And so learn words of affirmation. I used to look at my sons and say, look, you know, if there were a million other eight-year-old boys lined up against the wall and I had a choice, I would still choose you. You know, my dad used to look at me and say, look, son, there's nothing you can do to break the fellowship between me and you. I will always be your father. I may not support a decision you make. I may not bail you out of jail. If I think you're wrong, I may not, I may not help you with the circumstances you're in if I think you're wrong. But just because I think your behavior is wrong doesn't mean you're not my son. I will always be your father and you will always be my son. And he was reflecting God into my life. It helped me to understand who God was. And maybe you haven't had that. And again, the thing with the perfect father is that, that he is perfect. He's not like your earthly father. Mine was a, a great earthly father, and my heavenly father is so much better than that. But you may have had a lousy earthly father. You may have had difficulty connecting with the whole idea of God being a father because of a poor father relationship. God is nothing like a lousy earthly father. He is a perfect. He is the Abba Father. You can climb up in your his lap, Put your head on his chest and hear his heartbeat. And when you hear his heartbeat, that heartbeat is a heartbeat that says, I love you, son. I care about you infinitely. I desire only the best for you. I've designed your life to have meaning and purpose. I'm going to bring into your life people that will bless you as you bless them. That's what the Father wants for you. He wants for you to have really positive relationships with Him and with those that He's placed in your life around you. And He wants to heal those relationships. He wants to bring healing into those relationships. And one of the most powerful, and I'll close with this, I'll finish the rest of this teaching on needs sometime in the future. But let me tell you a story. I was teaching this material in Louisiana. I like to preach in Louisiana. I love the people of Louisiana. How y'all are? I'm glad for you to see me, I guarantee. They always treat me really well. In a big church, it's a big church. Uh, I preached on Sunday morning, preached on Sunday night. And on Sunday night, I taught what I'm about to teach you right now. And Monday night, this lady, in, obviously in her early 40s, and her daughter in her early 20s, came in and they sat on the third row. And both the mom and the daughter looked like Barbie, okay? Uh, and, and they were obviously intelligent. They were obviously uh, affluent. Uh, they had all, but even more than that, they looked like they had the most spectacular relationship I'd ever seen. I mean, they were talking to each other as I was teaching. They were nodding their head. 
Uh, they were loving on each other. They, you know, the mom had her had her arm around the daughter, and the daughter would pat the mom's leg, and and they were leaning into each other. And it, it, you know, it, from an outward perspective, they had the perfect relationship. And then afterwards, they came to to me and they said, you know, the mom said. I was in church Sunday morning. I didn't think I was going to come back Sunday night because, well, my daughter's in her 20s and this was a parenting conference. But because of what you said in church Sunday morning, I came back. And I, I closed out that night, Sunday night, with saying, I want to teach you the two most powerful relationship questions there are. You the manager? Yes. You know the guy's name? I should. Well, then tell me the guy's name. I say who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. You the manager? And then go yes. You know the guy's name? I'm telling you that name. Well, who's on first? Yeah. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The guy playing first base. Who? The guy on first. Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I'm asking you. Now, this doesn't come with an ultimate guarantee that it's always going to work. There's, there's always dynamics involved. But this is truly a powerful concept, and I hope you get it. See, when we're in relationship with people, we're going to get hurt. It's inevitable that we get hurt. Um, and hurt is hurt, whether it was an intentional hurt or unintentional hurt. It still hurts. If I drop a bowling ball on your foot. Big strike coming up. Shows a big win. Close your mouth. <laughs> Oops. Whether I intended to drop it or I accidentally dropped it, the pain in your foot is basically the same. Now there are, you know, there are other ramifications if I intended on doing it, but you're still hurt. And so when we're hurt, a lot of times in the Christian community in particular, when we express the fact to someone that they hurt us, um, one of the classic responses to that declaration, and, and how tough is it to finally get up the, the courage to say to someone, hey, you hurt me. You know, you, 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 your actions had a negative impact in, in my life. You hurt me. It, it's very difficult to say that. Most of us don't want to say something like that to somebody else. The typical response I found in church growing up was, well, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to hurt you. And that's just supposed to make it better somehow. Uh, well, oh, well, there was no intent to hurt. Therefore, I should just grow a thicker skin and not be hurt. Uh, it doesn't work that way, folks. Uh, it, you know, I would, it'd be nice if it worked that way, but it doesn't. So what I taught that night is this. I said, that here, here are the two most powerful relationship statements you can make. The first one is this. To sit down with someone, look them in the eye, and say, how have I hurt you? Don't wait for them to come to you. Look them in the eye and say, how have I hurt you? And while they're talking, listen. Don't interrupt. Don't make excuses. Maybe they're full of it. And, and it didn't even really happen the way you see it. It doesn't really matter. Let them talk. Okay. How have I hurt you? Let them talk. 
You know, that's, it's really hard. It's not easy. I assure you that this is not easy. It's not something you want to do. It's one of the hardest questions to ask another human being, how have I hurt you? And then the very next statement needs to be, will you forgive me? You say, well, what if I didn't mean to? Or, or what, if, what if they're not accurate? Or it doesn't really matter. Let's say that they're only 10% accurate. Well, will you forgive me? Now, it covers the 10% you believe is accurate, but it also covers the 90% that they feel is accurate. Will you forgive me? Can you find it in your heart to forgive me? Uh, you know, we, we all do something wrong. Market 8, dude. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey, Walter, come on. It's just, hey, man, it's Smokey. So his toe slipped over a little, you know? It's just a game, man. This is a league game. This determines who enters the next round robin. Am I wrong? In an argument, we all do something wrong in a discussion. So I can ask for forgiveness. I don't have to be specific. Will you forgive me for the 10% that I know I did? But I didn't do this other stuff. Yeah, but I wasn't. Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't over. Give me the marker, dude. I'm marking an eight. Smoking, my friend. You're entering a world of pain. Walter, man. You mark that frame an eight, you're entering a world of pain. I'm not. A world of pain. Look, dude, I, this is your partner. Has the whole world gone crazy? You know that? What difference does it make? Am I the only one around here who gives a about the rules? Mark at zero. They're calling the cops, man. Put the piece away. Mark at zero. So here's what happened in this lady's life. She had not talked to her daughter for two years. Not one word for two years until Sunday night. And Sunday night after I finished speaking, she went straight to Starbucks where her daughter worked, asked her daughter to take off early. Her daughter did. She sat in Starbucks, held her daughter's hand and said, how? Have I hurt you? And listen to her daughter talk to her for about 45 minutes. And then this lady got on her knees in the middle of Starbucks and said, honey, will you forgive me? And less than 24 hours later, they're sitting in church together and I can't tell that they were ever estranged or ever had anything against each other, or had ever had an argument, they looked like they were the happiest two people on the face of the earth that night. Now, like I said, I can't guarantee you it'll always work that way, but I do know this, it's powerful. And if, if you're going to love someone unconditionally, you're gonna need some powerful tools in your arsenal to maintain and cultivate that love. And one thing we know, is that when we're in relationship with each other, we are imperfect people in an imperfect environment, walking this Christian thing out very imperfectly, and not one of us is Jesus Christ in the flesh, and we are going to hurt each other, we are going to have uh, uh, times that we do it intentionally, times that we do it unintentionally, uh, and, and we're gonna have miscommunication. <clears throat> We've got all this stuff going on in life, why? Because it's imperfect people in an imperfect environment trying to have relationships imperfectly. And the only way we can absolutely tolerate each other 
is if we really learn to walk in grace with one another. And one thing I talked about grace is that until you are accused of taking it too far, you haven't preached it correctly. Hey son, I wanted to talk to you. I know religion's imp important and all, but I think you might be taking it a... Because somebody, if you preach it correctly, is going to say, you've taken this grace thing way too far. But the other thing is, it's far more difficult to live grace. It's one thing to teach it. It's one thing to hear it. But it's another thing to live it out in a community of faith where we walk in grace with one another and we forgive one another. Why do we forgive one another? Because he forgave us. And he just said that we're supposed to love each other the way he loved us. And if we would love each other the way he loved us, then the world would know that we're his disciples, which means, honey, you don't have a choice. Honey, you've got a big storm coming. You have to forgive, and 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 you have to forgive. And when you're done with that, forgive them again. Now, I will say this, caveat, just because you forgave them doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries. I say, absolutely we're going to build a wall, 100%. They go, well, you don't really mean that. That was like when I first started in June. I said right from the beginning, we're going to build a wall. It's going to be a real wall. See that ceiling up there? I mean, this is a wall that if you get up there, you're not coming down very easy. Okay. All right. If I, I have a person in my life that I know if I give them opportunity to hurt me, they will hurt me. Their history states that every time they've ever had an opportunity to hurt me, they took advantage of it. So I have forgiven them. I don't hold any animosity toward them, but I'm not giving them an opportunity to hurt me again. I'm not going to put myself in that place where they can hurt me, if I can at all help it. They say, well, that means you don't have a relationship with them. Well, I don't have a relationship with them. But that was their choice. Why? Because their, their behavior and history says they're going to hurt me. You say, well, you should leave the past in the past. You can leave the past in the past when the present doesn't interact with the past. You know? I, I, I don't look at someone's past if I've forgiven them until they act like they did in the past today. And if they keep repeating their behavior, then you have to look at the past and say, this is a pattern. And that pattern is not breaking. It's continuing to repeat. So I'm going to draw a boundary because you can't really say yes unless you can say no. That's why I talk about there's a calling to this. You don't practice this with everybody. You practice it with the people God placed in your life. It's impossible to practice this with everybody. But there are a few that you are called to practice this with, and you walk this out on a daily basis where you know them, you unconditionally accept them, you unconditionally love them, and you work to meet some of their needs as a representative of God on the earth. You are working to meet their needs. You're doing this blessing. Why? Because you've received the blessing, but you are 
you are physically, emotionally, spiritually incapable of doing this with more than the people that God has placed in your life. You can't run down the street and grab someone off the street and say, I'm going to bless you. Now you can hand them a $20 bill and give them a good hallelujah handshake and, and that communicates something to them, but it is not this. It's not the blessing. You, This blessing comes in the context of relationship, deep, fundamental relationship. And you know what this blessing does? It helps you maintain those deep, fundamental relationships. It helps you keep those deep, fundamental relationships, fundamental relationships healthy. And you do that by constantly saying to that person that you're closest to, okay, how have I hurt you? Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? You know, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Walter, get the piece away. Walter? You think get around there, fucking zero! Oh my gosh. We all do stuff wrong. Okay? We all make mistakes. You all have something that you can be forgiven for. You know? So ask the people around you, how have I hurt you? Will you forgive me? It, it's going to have a powerful effect in your life. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Look, you're going to want to, to check us out on Facebook. You're going to want to, to uh, look at God Loves Kids on Facebook, my page, Philip Savelle Phillips. Uh, stay in communication with us. Again, if you're going to create an argument or something like that, you might as well move on down the road. All I'm going to do is delete you. I won't even respond. But if you have a legitimate question, if you want someone to pray for you, uh, you message us on Facebook. We'll give you a phone number. You can call. You can call our office. Uh, we want to be involved in people's lives if we can and if we're called to. And so this is, you know, I put up some barriers. I would build a great wall, and nobody builds walls better than me, believe me. Because there's no use in me wasting my time with people who aren't receptive to what we're saying here. But if you have a legitimate question, and you ask it appropriately, you can ask anything. And we'll do our best to answer that. We may want to talk to you on the phone as opposed to writing an answer to you. But, uh, but know this, that we care. We will pray for you. If you want to stay up on what we're doing and know to the minute what we're doing in Nepal or Africa or, or uh, India or Utila, the best way to do that is on Facebook. Even our website is always behind the eight ball, but Facebook we keep uh, to the minute. Subscribe to this channel, please. Uh, you're doing us a big favor by subscribing and sharing, okay? So I'm sure that this material is worthy of people's time and attention. And so I just ask that you invest your time and attention to help us promote it just a little bit. If everyone will promote it just a little bit, it'll be just fine. It'll reach the people that God wants it to reach. Until then, God bless you.